All right, everyone. How are you doing? I'm Sergio from the Dodgeball Podcast International Series, and here with me I have a major staple in the UK. How are you doing? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> that was very awkward. <laughs> All right, let these people know who you are, what club, what country you play for. Um, Charlotte Josiah um, from England, uh, play for England, and uh, Bedford Eagles. So you popped up on my radar around the time the World Cup happened in New York City. And I had a couple friends who refed that event, a couple friends who watched that event, and even a couple friends who played at the event. And a lot of the people who saw you, played against you, witnessed you, whatever, pretty much sang your praises. Um, it's pretty much their their pick for MVP of that tournament for the for the women's squad. And uh, safe to assume when I ask people anonymously, uh, anonymously about you, you're pretty much like the female godfather, like everyone, like all paths lead to you kind of thing. So um, let's talk about your lineage and dodgeball history. But before we do that, uh, what's your jersey number and what's the story behind it? Um, my jersey number is number five. Um, and really the history behind that is just that whatever sport I've played, I've always been number five. So historically, I've played a lot of football um, or soccer, <laughs> as you as Americans call it. Um, so that was my number. I was just number five. And that's just kind of stuck with me. Um, so and I guess it's just something that I always try and have now is my number five. And I'm lucky enough that I've had it at England and at Bedford Eagles. So yeah, it's just kind of stuck with me from childhood um, and from other sports. There's no athlete you uh, you admire who wore that number. It was just a number that you just happen to be stuck with since you can remember. Yeah, no, no athlete really that um, that had the number that I wanted to aspire to to wear that number. But um, yeah, I just picked it up when I was a child, number five, and then it just stuck with me. Um, so let's let's go back to your your beginnings uh, when did you start playing dodgeball and what was your first experience like um I first started playing when I was at university so I'd pretty much max myself out at football I was playing a lot of football every week you know two or three times a week training matches at the weekend um, and when I got to uni I didn't want to do any more football so I wanted to have a look for something new, but there wasn't really anything around. So my first year at university, I didn't really do um, any sport on campus as such. And then my boyfriend at the time, who is now my husband, said, oh, one of my housemates has set up a dodgeball team. Um, and I thought, oh, right. I didn't really think much of it. And then he said, oh, do you want to come and watch me at a tournament? So I went along, watched him at a tournament, and the women's court caught my eye. So I, I drifted over and had a watch of it. And I thought, oh, that looks good. I, I think I could give that a go. And then um, his housemate at the time said, let's get a women's team together. And and, and we did. So um, I went along and everything happened from there, really. It happened quite quickly. Um, my first season, I then got scouted for England. And then I've kind of, <laughs> kind of just been there ever since, really. Your first season getting scouted just right off the bat, huh? Yeah, yeah, not bad, really. <laughs> oh, not bad. I mean, I mean, you just made it sound so routine. Um, so a, a couple questions to ask. First, what year was it that you started? Uh, um, what university was it? And who's your husband and does he still play? Okay, yeah. So um, 
it was in 2008, 2009. I can't remember it fully if whether it was in the wow. September of 2008 or you know the first bit of 2009 um, um, it was at the University of Bedfordshire in Bedford um, and yeah my husband's Matthew Josiah and he still plays uh, what team does he play for uh, he plays the same as me so he plays for England um, and Bedford Eagles okay I was about to say it would have been very interesting if he was a ranger that household would be uh, very contiguous in uh, Derby Day, that I can say. Um, coming from a Mexican football family, I can tell you that it's very uh, spicy in the household, especially in the Spanish language. But we're not going to talk about that. Um, <laughs> so, wow, since 2008, 2000, so you essentially started a year before me. Okay, and you, cool. started, you started in the three ball era. Yeah, in the three ball era with um, <laughs> massive dodgeballs. They were really big at the time. <laughs> there were a lot. Oh, of yeah. No I, <laughs> no, I remember that because um, around 2011 or 2012, um, there was a small attempt at bringing that over here, um, mm. at least in the LA scene. Uh, but yeah, it didn't really uh, catch on too well. None of us could really catch it, let alone throw it, grip it, whatever. Um, mm. So we stuck to our ways in rubber and the metric system, but we're not talking about that. Uh, so were you a part of the first uh, Euros then? If you were, if you started that early, you were part of the first, uh, the inaugural Euros. Yeah, so um, initially it was, a, there was a men's Euros, which um, my husband was part of and I managed to go and watch him in that and then um subsequently the women's side of things um then entered so yeah i was part of part of that and i managed to watch the first ever euros for the men's side as well which was it's always good to be at the beginning i guess <laughs> <laughs> that's one way of putting it so uh <laughs> so you graduate from uh you said bedford but ah i'm gonna butcher it bedfordshire right yeah yeah okay so you graduated from that um, then you went straight to uh, Eagles? Uh, so it was um, myself, my husband, and um, another friend of ours who was playing dodgeball at the time who set the club up after because there was no club in Bedford at the time when we graduated. So we decided to set the club up. So you guys were the first club in Bedford? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, I guess for the, for the people at home, um, or at least more so in the States who – when we build teams, it's more like we build teams. We don't build clubs. You know, there's no, like, succession plan as far as, like, if I drop out, kind of. If I drop out as a captain, yeah, someone else is going to replace me. But let's say if a player drops out, we don't have, like, someone coming in, so to speak, unless I find a replacement. So how does setting up a club um, – how, how what, are, what are the inner workings of setting up a club in England? So um... – Myself and my husband were both PE teachers, so physical education teachers. So getting people into sport is something that we, we, we believe that all people should play a sport or physical activity of some kind, whatever it is. Um, so for us, it was just about getting local people into the sport that we love. Um, so we put some kind of advertising out. We, we approached 
local um, clubs of different sports, whether they wanted to come and try it out. And it just kind of snowballed from there, really. And yeah, um, in the first year, we had just a men's team. Um, and then from there, we built our women's team. And then subsequently, we had um, two teams and a women's team and we played in the mixed mixed leagues. So it, it was for us just making sure that in the Bedfordshire area, there was an outlet for people to go and play dodgeball and, and kind of enjoy it. And, you know, and being successful came just at, you know, it was just a kind of added bonus at that point. Um, it was just trying to get people into the sport. So let me ask you something um, before we continue with your story. Uh, you said, obviously, you know, being successful is a bonus. Um, what would you say is a, a key factor in recruiting women for your club? Let's say if let's say if uh, anyone listening wanting to start their own club and are having trouble finding women to start a women's side of the of the club, what would be the number one or several advice uh, or tidbits that you can give for them to help them in a successful way? Um, it is something that we, as a club, have struggled with uh, previously to get more women into the club, just because of the caliber of players that we've had. But right at the beginning, um, we actually approached. We actually went to so in the schools around Bedfordshire, they have big competitions in dodgeball. So um, BNP teachers, we were already at these competitions and we could see the talent, the young talent that was there. And so we just invited players down to come and play for club rather than just at school. Um, and obviously you have to invite maybe 20, 30 girls and women and you might get one or two that come to club. So it's just about it's about exposure of the sport as well, because I think some people will have a very negative thing about dodgeball whether that's because at school they didn't teach it right or whether actually it's not for them but it's actually just making sure that they understand what the sport is um and and how that they can engage in it because i think some we've had people that come down to club and they're like oh this is not how i remember dodgeball being and actually i think people remember it being in a sports hall with you know a hundred kids and a hundred balls and people just getting whacked left, right and center. Well, actually, <laughs> It's a very different, it's a different sport to what they, they think. So it's actually just about exposure, about getting kind of education out there and just understanding what the sport actually is. Um, and through when I've been teaching it at schools, it's, and I teach at an all girls school, um, that one of the things that they love about it is, is that they can be very tactical with it. And there are a lot more things to it than just running up and throwing the ball. Um, so I think one of the biggest things is just trying to get what, even whether that's through social media outlets or through word of mouth, it's just actually getting um, the word out there that it is actually more than just throwing balls at each other. And, you know, one of the other biggest things is that it doesn't hurt. Because I think people go, oh, I don't, I'm not playing dodgeball. I don't want to get hurt. And actually, when we've had women come down to club, they go, oh, it doesn't hurt at all getting hit. So I think it's just kind of overcoming a few barriers that will actually then help to grow that women's side. But as I said, one of the main focuses for us was to get some of the young, young, younger um, players in and then build up from there. Because some of the younger players tend to, especially at school level, tend to have a lot of resilience and they, they can be moulded into kind of good players and actually they're just happy to come along and throw a ball 
but then you can kind of teach them the tactical side of things because right at the beginning I think I was probably the oldest in in our in our women's team by about eight eight years maybe nine years <laughs> so it, I had a lot I had a lot of youngsters um, <laughs> um and then yeah so we just kind of got got some youngsters in and, and went from there really I gotta call you out on something um yeah. as someone who's been pelted with a cl- uh, cloth ball uh, a couple years ago <laughs> they hurt um <laughs> i mean I, I had some i had some heaters uh thrown my way had some welts after day one of the open um british open in canic um i even had my you know two of my knuckles busted up but uh that wasn't you know it, i mean it does hurt <laughs> it just i guess it depends on who's throwing it i guess <laughs> yeah i guess so but i think what they think of is either that they've played at school with the wrong type of balls. So I went to one school and they said, oh, no, we don't do dodgeball, it's banned. And I said, why is that? And they said, too many people were getting hurt. And I said, well, what balls were you using? And they told me they were using basketballs. (laughs) So I said, yeah, that's why they got hurt. (laughs) As someone who played basketball, yeah, you don't want to throw those. Um, Sometimes even getting a pass, a basketball pass shot at you. Um, you could break your hand even catching it with proper technique. It's not ideal for dodgeball people. And this goes no, out to exactly. any of the gym teachers that, are, that could be listening over there. I'm telling you, uh, don't do it. Uh, <laughs> if, you, if you're gonna if you're gonna start dodgeball, you could start cloth, start foam, but don't don't start basketballs. It's, it's a reason why it's basketball, not dodgeball. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so. Let's kind of go back. Let's get back to your story. So you say first year you were kind of scouted for England. How is that yeah. impression like? Like to know that, oh, you know, now now I'm you know moving up to the national stage like this early. How did that feel putting on the the lion on your shirt? Um, it was very exciting because it was the first England women's team that were being put together. So I felt like it was. Yes, I had a sense of pride for myself and uh, and and me putting the shirt on, but actually it was for that group of girls. Actually, we were we were making history at that moment. Um, so it was a really exciting point um, to be to be part of it all, and actually that um, you know we were going to play these first games as an uh, as a collective England women's team. So um, yeah, and obviously putting the shirt on. I mean, I think <laughs> I think my mum was probably more excited than me because <laughs> just because I was trying <laughs> to contain my con- excitement, she definitely couldn't, and told everybody who would listen that her daughter was going to play for England. So, <laughs> so your mom was uh, what we call here. Um, I wouldn't say stage mom, but she she was definitely a, like a major fan. Oh yeah, yeah. She she yeah, a major fan. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, and this was what, at the first Euros event for women? Or that included women? Um, Yeah, I think, so we actually had a game first against, I think, I I believe it was Ireland or Northern Ireland. I can't remember exactly who it was, but it was the first international friendly that that was going to take place as an England women's dodgeball team. So that was actually the first um, game that was played. And then, obviously, we went on to have a Euros. Um, and I believe that was in Sweden, in Stockholm. 
I think. So 2013? Um, I don't know about the dates, actually. <laughs> Everything I mean, seems to snowball. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> as someone who's been following for a long time, um, I mean, obviously, COVID kind of threw everything a wrinkle in the timeline, so to speak. But uh, I want to say that would have been 2013, maybe 2014. I think 2014 was definitely Austria, I think. Because I remember uh, Sweden was relatively early. Yeah, yeah, Sweden was like really early. And I remember we didn't even play in a sports hall. We played like outdoors. <laughs> oh, it you was, guys played yeah. outdoors? Yeah. Yeah, we played outdoors in kind of like these cages. <laughs> oh okay no okay i remember that um so earlier this year i had uh marcus from sweden and yeah. he helped set up the event and he did mention that yeah he did mention um, that okay it's starting to come come together yeah um, i think that was i think that was quite early i, I want to say like 2010 maybe 2011 but oof, I can't, man, we're, we're, can't remember too much <laughs> yeah i mean I'm already getting up there in age, even though I don't feel it. I'm sure it will kick in eventually. Um, so let's get back to you, um, which is probably the tagline of this episode. Uh, you've been a part of Bedford uh, Eagles for a long time, obviously. You're one of the founding members. Um, yeah. what, have, what has been one of your like biggest highlights with them? Um, so we had uh, a relatively similar team um for quite a number of years um and they were my 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 young girls who i kind of we've kind of founded our team with kind of just came up with me and kind of carried on playing we all played collectively as a as a team for many years and we actually went we won six league titles in a row and uh, we were unbeaten for six seasons so in the league um, so I think that's probably something that it will either never be beaten or it will be years before it's beaten, whether that be by a women's team or a men's team, to be honest with you. But I think that just watching the, the women's team develop and get more confident and actually tactically just be, you know, powerhouses really, the, the young girls that I had that were 15, 16, you know, I've seen them grow up not only as dodgeball players, but actually, you know, into women. And, you know, some of them either still play or I'm still very close to and, and still keep in contact with. Um, so I think that's probably one of the proudest things that we've done as a club is, yes, we've we won those six consecutive league titles, but actually it was taking these players that actually didn't play really much dodgeball other than school and actually they became, well, all of them were actually in the England squad at one time or another. So that's something I'm quite proud of. Um, as our women's team, we, we, we've, we've won a lot of titles, a lot of championships. So going that, from, rec <laughs> that record almost sounds like uh, as long, if not almost as long as uh, Meteor's. Uh, it's longer than me, it was longer. Well, I mean, yeah, you guys started oh, yeah. in 2009, 2010. So you guys pretty much kicked yeah. off the standard for them to try to reach. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. In terms of women, in terms of any team, I think we, well, I know we are 
in in the UK definitely held the league titles for six consecutive years, which is longer. I can't. I think Meteors might be four, but obviously they are for the men. They're the longest for them. Yeah, uh, I would say it's going to take a while for anyone to even come close to that. So. Good job on cementing your legacy on that end. Uh, safe to assume, yeah, you were definitely an OG there, Charlotte. Uh, <laughs> you've definitely seen a lot of uh, great women come and go on the England team. Um, any that stick out to you for a uh, particular reason? As far as, like, uh, how do I say, most synergistic vibes as far as, like, you didn't have to look over to them. You just knew what they were going to do because what you were going to do what you were going to do. Uh, yeah. Um, like, who was your so, team partner? So, for Bedford and for um, England was Beth Dix. <laughs> so, we both played... So, we both played five and six. And we didn't even need to speak to each other. We just knew what we were going to do. And, um, yeah, we, did, we just... I knew that if she was still on court, you know, even if we were two six down if it was me and her on court I knew that we, we could still win we, we were going to still win it was just that kind of confidence in each other I think that actually we'll just do it if we have to do it together we will um, yeah and she's probably one of the best players um, that I've ever played with um, and still is to be honest with you even though she's taken a step back I think in the new year I'm hoping to to get her back in <laughs> Well, I mean, it's funny you mentioned her name uh, because she's been, I mean, like you, she's been on my radar for a while. So hopefully I can get her to immortalize her story on this end as well. Definitely yeah, like I'll, to speak, hear I'll speak to her. <laughs> you know what? If you can do that, uh, you're definitely going to get a nice care package. Um, <laughs> I will say that right now. We'll discuss the terms of that once we're done recording. Um, so, <laughs> so you Obviously, you've been a major staple in England, a major staple for for Eagles, um, and obviously you have a you have such a long history that we could probably spend hours trying to go over. But um, I also know that you did coaching as well. Yeah. Um, do you coach on the club level, or international level, or both? Uh, both currently, yeah. So club and and for England. So what are the challenges or what are the, the differences and challenges of coaching for your club versus your national team? I mean, um, historically, um, I've been very lucky in the fact that a lot of my girls at Bedford have been in the England setup, whether that be from a development point of view or whether that be in the senior squad. So it, it's been it's been themes that have run through both of those. So if there's something that I want to kind of try out and see whether a certain call will work, I'll run it, I'll run it with, with the, with the Bedford girls and see how it, how it plays out. And then it's something that I might take forward into to England. Um, but in terms of, I suppose there's just a different, the, the outcomes are different. So when you hit obviously international, there's, there's a lot more pressure. There's a lot more expectation, I think. Um, of course, because um, obviously, when when I've been coaching Bedford historically, that you know we we've done extremely well. We've we've won a lot of stuff, and it's just kind of going through the motions again. I'll, I'll, the amount of times I've just said same again, girl, same again. That's all we need to do. Whereas obviously, at England, 
there is, is times where you, you're going to have to change up what you're doing or it hasn't been working or, you know, we have lost in finals for, an, you know, consecutive years. So it's actually been a different approach that you have to take because obviously Bedford, from the Eagles' point of view, we've been winning everything or we historically won everything. And then obviously from an England point of view, there were times where we took, you know, some hard losses. So it's about regrouping, reforming and trying to build confidence and resilience, especially in the run-up to the World Cup in New York, which, you know, we, we built. There was a lot of behind the scenes that was going on, not just from a coaching point of view, but, you know, from nutritionists, psychologists and just prepping for that. So it was working with a number of people to make sure that we're in the right in the right frame of mind and in the right condition to go and play. And that was definitely a nice segue because I was wanting to talk about, uh, wait, did you uh, also do the one in Manchester? Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about the one in Manchester first. So obviously you're transitioning from three ball, which you've been playing for essentially more than half your career, to now introducing five ball in a world format. Um, uh, how was how that adjustment like? Especially having, I guess that would have been your first time playing five ball on the world stage. How was that event like for you, uh, along with the adjustments uh, you needed to make? Yeah, it was. Um, it was. I was always one for it. There were there were a number of people who were against it, um, <laughs> the transition. Um, you know, what with any any kind of change, I don't think people people necessarily like change, but. I think the introduction of the smaller ball and the introduction of the five balls actually made it a more exciting game from my point of view. Um, so I was really excited to see how it would look from a spectator's point of view as well. Because um, I had quite a lot of family that came up to watch at the uh, Manchester World Cup. Um and it, it was really interesting to get their feedback and actually see what the tra- what they thought of it. And, you know, three ball can or was slow at points, very, very slow. Um, so it was exciting. It was much more exciting to have five balls on court um, and to, to have, even though we had the five seconds, it was only then you'd have to release one and it because there was only three balls or you could just roll the balls back. And just look for a catch, which which, which worked in my favour because I, I like catching and I'm, I think it's one of my strong points is catching. But from a game point of view, from a development of the sport, it was going in the right direction of making sure that it became a spectator sport. And um, my parents absolutely loved watching five ball. Um, <laughs> it was much more exciting. There was more going on. And I think the crowd got got more hyped up, more excited about the fact that there was multiple things happening at once. Um, not just that people were running up and throwing and then that was kind of the end. Then you had the counters. Um, so there was multiple hits happening in, in a very short amount of time. Um, but personally, I found the transition okay. Um, but I think that's because at England and at club, we'd done quite a lot of work with it. Um, but it was a it was a big learning experience as well because actually there was things that we did in the world cup that we probably wouldn't do now um tactically or there was things that we tried out that didn't work or we picked up things from other nations as well so um yeah it was a massive learning experience and and it yeah it was 
on the on the international stage and it was a it was a great event to be a part of i could just imagine based on what you already told me how loud your mom was cheering in manchester (laughs) (laughs) she let everyone know who she was rooting for i'm sure yeah it's actually my sister who's the loudest as well (laughs) oh you're uh does, does she play or was she just like watching you that time no she's just a, she just likes coming to watch us and to be honest with you in in new york everything was so loud while on court but the only person i could hear was my sister <laughs> <laughs> so you, uh, let's talk about new york um what were the biggest adjustments you made obviously because you said manchester was your first uh go around mm-hmm. in the five ball era um what was the biggest adjustment you made more so personally not so much tactically um heading into new york I think from a personal point of view, I wanted to make sure that every element of my game and my physical, you know, my physical being was in the right place, ready for New York. So if someone would tell me that you could do X, Y, and Z, and it would make you 0.2% better, I was doing it. I was doing everything I could to make sure that when I stepped out on court, I was the best player I could be. Because I think what England had instilled at that point from in the New York tournament was was that set of girls was that we were all working for each other. So if you know there was one you know if there's an evening where I'm like oh I can't be bothered to go to the gym, it wasn't about me. It was like no you you go to the gym because if you don't you're letting your team down. You know you get to that final set you need to keep pushing and you're not fit enough then you know you're letting your team down and it was we had a really a group of girls that were really close knit and actually worked hard for each other. So from a personal point of view, I was doing everything I could for me personally, but also for the team because I didn't want to let anyone down. And I think because we'd come off the back of losing in the final to Austria, you know, consecutively in Euros, we knew going into the World Cup, we didn't want to feel like that. We didn't want to have that, you know, another second place or, um, just not quite making it so I think from a personal point of view I was doing everything I could um just to make sure that I was the best version of myself going into that world cup well I can definitely say off the footage I saw previously and at New York you definitely did that and what was the result of that by the way what was the result of the England women um overall overall no I mean overall where did you guys place Oh, first we we won. Of course, I just wanted to, I just wanted you to say that for the record. Um, oh. <laughs> I was like I was trying to I was trying to get it out of you. I'm like, uh, I want you to have some swag to it, Charlotte. This is your story. I want you to have some swag to it. Let these people know I got that gold at home. I came to the states. I got that gold, baby. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> gotta have some swag to well, you, Charlotte. It, I I can have swag because I won the mixed as well. So I'm a double gold. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You see? Now you're picking up on my lingo. Thank you. Let's do this. Don't don't be modest. This is your episode. Let these people know who you are. You an OG in the game, huh? Come on. <laughs> so you, you come back from uh New York, obviously on the highest of highs, carrying double gold. Yeah. You're pretty much cementing. If it hasn't been cemented already, you've already cemented the strength of the England program and the women to follow. How does that feel? Like, I guess what I'm trying to say is without asking it kind of too early, but 
how does it feel knowing that after you accomplish what you accomplished in England or in New York, that essentially people are going to look to you as a standard for greatness going forward? <laughs> yeah, I said it. <laughs> um, I don't think I think of it like that. What do you th- um, What do you think of it then? Um, I don't know. That's a difficult question. Difficult? How? Because- You're the. It's your perspective. I, th- I just think because I'm still wanting to be part of it all and wanting to carry on and keep playing the best dodgeball I can play, I feel like it's not the end of the chapter. Well, it's, it might be the end of the chapter, but it's not the end of the story. Um, so, you know, that hopefully from an England point of view, um, there's definitely more, you know, greatness to come. There's more championships to win. And I hope that I'm going to be part of that. Um, as a player um, and a coach. Um, and, uh, all right, so let me ask you this. What? Let me ask you this then uh, before we continue. Um, well, not continue, but before we move on. What's the difference between winning as a player and winning as a coach? Is there a difference, a major difference? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, as a player, obviously, you... <laughs> There is a sense of pride when you put the shirt on, you step out on court and you're, and you're kind of thinking, it, I want to perform well, I want to do this. Whereas I think from a coach's point of view, I just want the girls to go out and perform how I know that they can perform. And actually, it's, I feel more pride, I think, for them if they go out and do and perform well than just for myself. So I think from a player's point of view, Yes, obviously, I do want to play well and I do want to do everything I can. But I think I get much more sense of pride from being a a coach and seeing the development of the girls and even through a tournament, seeing how how we gel together and how we how we're pushing teams and how we're um, adapting and and being resilient. Um, So I think it is slightly different. and hopefully, even when I, you know, stop playing and 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 just go to coaching, you know, I can still be there and make sure that, you know, we can instill that sense of of pride and and um, resilience and confidence in into the girls that carry on playing. Well, hopefully, um, like you said, hopefully it's just the end of the chapter, not the end of the book. So I definitely yeah. <laughs> hope to see you continuously play uh, for England. And we'll always wish you success, unless you're playing against the United States. Then no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so let's kind of take a let's take let's take a trip back in the past. Um, I know you said you mentioned you played a lot of football, but did you play in a, any other sports growing up? Um, yeah, I was pretty much that kid at school. But if the teacher said, "Oh, we're going to play," you know, basketball, we're going to play football, we're playing netball, we're playing this, and I was always on the team. So I would always do any sport, uh, yeah, anything really, um, from a school level and then through college, kind of just mainly football, netball, um, and then obviously at uni found found dodgeball. So sport's always been a massive part of my life and it's what I've always wanted to do. So from quite a young age, I've always wanted to be a PE teacher um, and, and kind of get people into sports and physical activity activity so it's actually one of the only things that you know I do in my life whether whether that be what I do for work or in my free time it's all sport (laughs) (laughs) 
So it's kind of funny you mentioned that, um, minus the PE teacher part, but uh, I interviewed Amy last year and Elisa, a- Amy Jones, I should say, Amy Jones yeah. last year and Elisa Storch this year. And um, yeah. the reason they clicked so well is because they were kind of similar growing up. At, at that point, they didn't even meet. Now, how yeah. far apart they live, I'm not too sure, but um, you kind of reminded me of that. Like, you just, you always wanted to be on the field. You always wanted to, you know, get your hands dirty, so to speak. You yeah, said I think it, about you. Yeah, if I, if I hadn't have found dodgeball, I would have been doing something, whether it be quite a traditional sport or something that's, you know, something that's not quite as mainstream. I think just anything to keep active, to keep busy. <laughs> Somehow I feel like, if you would not have found dodgeball, you probably would have found mixed martial arts just to get the challenge out. Yeah, I did. I did do some uh, jujitsu as I was growing up and kickboxing. So how did I know that? Yeah. How did I, how did I know that? Um, <laughs> you, you just, you just have martial arts written on your DNA at some point. I was like this, this woman fought at some point in life. I just don't know what discipline, but she definitely fought. <laughs> Like you, you a scrapper. I will say that you, you definitely giving off uh, scrapper vibes right now. <laughs> Are you just laughing? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't really know what to say about that, but yeah, I, I think I would give anything a go, <laughs> anything a go. And I think if I give something a go, I'm not giving it like fifty percent. I'm all in. So, <laughs> I, and I want to be good at it. So that that's also. I don't know whether it's a, a positive or a negative of my personality, but I'm I'm normally all in and <laughs> yeah, um, um, an all or nothing. I, yeah, no, that that's me. Um, I, I identify with that very well, and I think that's probably why I wanted to have you on for so long uh, because you just have that, at least the way you play, the least at least the way you coach, from what I could see, and you know, private uh, conversations I had with other people who uh, heard about your interview, you're pretty much like, you know, draw a line in the sand and let's get it going. you know, like, you just, you do not back down from anything. You're not afraid of failure, but you don't want that to be your last impression. Like yeah. you strike me yeah. as someone who's going to fight to the bitter end to get that gold and not settle for silver. Yeah. hundred percent. For sure. So, um, did you have any uh, role models growing up? And do you have any role models in dodgeball, people you respect? Um, growing up, um, I think because I was into my football, women's football over here was, um, wasn't was as televised as it is now, isn't as covered in the media, but I still managed. My mum played a big part in that, in, in still getting me to some of the women's games. So I don't think there was anyone individually that in football, but just seeing the women play the sport that I like at a high level was really inspiring. And actually now, obviously, it's snowballed. And, you know, you can watch women's football on the TV and you hear about it in the media, which has just completely taken off in the time where I went and watched it. Um, so, yeah, I think for me, I'm a real advocate for women's sport. I think... I still don't think there's enough coverage of it in, in, in the UK. I think, you know, we can be better at it. We can be better at trying to expose um, a range of different sports. Um, but, yeah, no, there was no role model as such, um, but just maybe kind of like a an entity, a kind of experience going to watch these high-level athletes 
play the sport that they love and the sport that I loved at the time um, was was really inspiring and motivating and actually motivated me to to want more and to want more from myself in my playing ability. Um, so, yeah, that was um, that's something that's really spurred me on, really. And what about on the dodgeball side of things? Um, I think. I think there's a lot of people in dodgeball that work tirelessly for the sport. Um, I think what, he, he's actually a very close friend of mine, actually. Um, Jonathan Rudland. Um, uh, he, is he the men's coach? Uh, so he he was the England manager, but he now oh, okay. has he's now stepped up and he's gone to be um, he's like overseeing all the home nations. Oh wow! Um, yeah, so he's got a. You know, he'll be great at that. But he works tirelessly for dodgeball. And obviously, I've seen him and worked closely with him at England. Um, he gives his all to to, to the sport. And um, I really admire that. I think I think, I think, I think there's a lot of people in dodgeball across the world that, that work hard to try and promote the sport to get it to where it needs to be. But from an England point of view, he left no stone unturned. And I think he's a real big influence in why the women the men and the mixed team have done historically so well because he's all about those fine margins so he was the one who brought in a nutritionist he was the one who brought in a, a, a psychologist just to see if we could get the you know that little bit ahead of other people and you know and it, it worked because England as a as a nation have been successful for years um, and it was a real driving force for the World Cup the women's um, team towards the World Cup and I saw that that he worked tirelessly for that um, so I'd say that he's someone that I admire in the sport okay um, this is going to probably be a new wrinkle to this question I want to ask uh, and I'm going to test it out with you um, <laughs> any no, no, this this should be fun so um, any any uh, player that you often play against whether it's for club or for uh, country any woman that you feel challenges you the most? Your rival. Who's your who's your rival? Rival? Um, yeah. Like, who's the, who's the one woman? Or it could be two. You know, name them all if you want. Who, who's that woman or women that anytime you you see them on, on your league calendar or you see them in Euros or maybe even in the World Cup, like, I, I got to get her today. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think it's difficult to name names, um, but for a whole entity, I think it was the Austrian women's team. I think a lot of their players play with such confidence and um, have an ex you know an exceptional ability in in all of the fundamental skills um, as well as their tactical application. I think. You know, they have been a team that have been, you know, at the top and feared, I guess, by other players in Europe, especially because um, you think, oh, we're playing Austria. And, you know, they have such a, a confidence around them and they, they seem such a close knit group of girls um, that actually it puts the fear factor in you and thinking, I've got to really step up here if we're, we're if we're going to challenge them, if we're going to, you know. And it doesn't doesn't didn't seem to matter who they they brought on or subbed on or who, who wasn't there or who was there that these group of girls were very cohesive and worked really well as a team and I think that's something that has played on my mind for 
a couple of euros is that actually how are we going to overcome that you know and we hadn't in 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 european championships but we did manage to do it at, at the um world cup so i think not necessarily a player but a team that definitely you know that if if you're if you're off your a game you're going to get walked all over and actually it's, yeah you might as well not be on court um but yeah, I think the Austrian women's team are a team that definitely you look at and you kind of want to take bits of their game into your game. Um, so, yeah. So safe to assume they run a really uh, solid program over there. Yeah, I think so. I think I think they're a really cohesive team and they, they work for each other. And I think I think it really shines through on their on their on the court, to be honest. Okay. Um, so before we kind of get into the crowdsource questions, um, do you have any pregame ritual before a league meet, uh, a, a league meet, or an open, or or an international um, event? Any I'm, routine I'm you not, do prior to a game? I'm not one for rituals, or you know, putting my left sock on first or right sock on last, or whatever it may be. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I. I'm a bit of a talker, so whoever's playing on my side, if we're calling, um, I like to go through stuff with them. And it most of the time it was with Beth Dix. And most of the time we're just chatting absolute rubbish to each other, really. But it kind of was like a calming, a calming influence on each other, I think. And we're just running through things quickly. So I don't think I've got any rituals or routines as such, but I like to just talk through things quickly um about tactic tactical calls or just having someone there who will just listen to me rambling on has, has been helpful in the previous <laughs> years <laughs> so uh random chat uh with uh, bethany <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> what about a pre-game playlist like what songs are you listening to to be honest with you um i even if there's music on and, and Beth's actually been one who, who will put the music on, put the songs on. And once I'm warming up and once I'm kind of getting in my own headspace, I don't really listen to the songs. Like I can hear the music, but it, it wouldn't matter what songs are on. And I'm the same as if I'm in the gym, I couldn't tell you what songs are playing. I'm kind of in my own headspace. Um, so I like to have the music on, but it doesn't necessarily matter what song it is. <laughs> So you're more of the always focused, always in the zone, the silent type. Yeah, I pretty much. I, I do go a bit quieter, I think, just before we start to play, uh, especially when we're warming up, because I'm kind of going through things in my own head. Um, so, yeah, probably just a lot of self-talk, I should imagine. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I could say similar ritual on my end. Not, I mean... Yeah, I think there's some similarities with that. With me, it's more like I'll have like a team huddle and people on the outside will think we're going over strategy, but really we're just going over what we're going to eat after. How was our flight? <laughs> you know, yeah, I think the thing like, is you don't want to overload it, do you? Right at the end, yeah. you don't want to. Because at that point, you already know it needs to be done. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I was like, hey, uh, you know, we're thinking about what restaurant we're going to go to after this. Who's going to make the most catches, who's going to have the gnarliest headshots, you know, stuff like that. Stuff like that. Yeah. You know? I like to keep it light as a captain. All right. <laughs> so um, we're going to get into the crowdsource questions. And the first one comes from Catherine Thomas from the neutral zone. Yeah. Um, just how 
how are you so good? <laughs> um, that's, that's very kind of her um, <laughs> to say so. <laughs> and I'm not really sure how I answer that. I just, <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it's just, I think I'm not going to say I'm old now. I think I'm just going to use the word experience. I think <laughs> there's not many situations that I haven't been in. So that's fair. I think I, I can play it out in, in my head and play it out in front of me. So I think some. I think a lot of the dodgeball is not necessarily about your core skills. It's actually about your decision making, um, when to apply those core skills. So, I think, um, yeah, I think I just my tactical application is sometimes if I'm not feeling it on a day where you know normally I might catch quite a lot. If I'm not feeling it, I won't go for as many. Mm. So, I think there's the illusion that maybe I'm 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 good all the time, but actually some no. days I'm just sitting at the back <laughs> <laughs> well i could say as someone who watches a lot of footage that's not an illusion it's on record <laughs> um and this is where i chime in Catherine thomas my reply to Catherine thomas in the thread that was going to be my question i need help on my cloth game for sure now let me just elaborate on that comment for a little bit like i said i, I did play in the british open yeah, uh yeah. back in canic and sadly 2020 uh but we're not going to talk about that year we're talking about the the day in question so i got to play cloth for the very first time and as soon as you find the grip to it because obviously you can't just grip it any other way uh mm. it feels like a standard rubber ball um mm. you whip it like a rubber i mean the only thing i can do with the rubber ball is i can kind of curve it with yeah. cloth you can't really it's just a straight shot um my biggest difficulty was catching Okay. And it wasn't so much that I couldn't tell where the ball was going to go. If anything, I read the trajectory of every throw relatively on it. Like I said, a cloth ball is not going to deceive you. It's going to go yeah. where it's going to go. And I would, you know, go into my stance or drop or jump and get to my, you know, try to match the trajectory of the ball. And because like a foam ball, if it, if you, if it hits you, it kind of squishes into you a little bit before it pops up. Yeah. With the yeah. rubber ball, it folds into you before it pops up. With a cloth ball, it's like you got to be spot on or nothing. So I had a lot of like close catches that could have been game changing, but they just fell flat to the floor or bounced away. And I'm questioning life at this point because I'm like, I know <laughs> I can catch. So it's good that I have you on because I, your boy definitely needs help on that end. Um, <laughs> that I will say, arguably talking to one of the best catchers in England, male, woman, whatever. Um, so let's, with that segue, I dropped in a question. Most jaw, ah, I can't even talk right now. Most jaw-dropping moment playing for England you were involved in? Um, I think, I think everyone would expect me to say the World Cup final at Madison Square Gardens. I think that's what people will expect me to say. But actually for me, the group stages of the World Cup, we were actually put in a group with Austria. So hmm. already before we've even flown out there, you know, we're thinking, oh, we're in this group with Austria. And we we ended up winning that game. We won that get group game. So we beat Austria, which was like the first time in like three, I think three or four years. Um, and that really cemented the idea that we were good enough. So as, as a team, we were good enough, which I already knew, like obviously from training and 
But I think it really cemented that the idea in, in all of the women's head that, yes, we, we're, we're here to win. We know we can win. And we've just beaten someone who we hadn't beaten for four years. And I think that was, it was a draw-dropping moment because at that moment, I knew we were going to win the World Cup. So from beating Austria in, in that moment, the day before the finals, I, I knew we were going to win. Um, so, and it was, it was kind of like a coming together of all of the hard work that we'd done. I kind of, I relaxed from that point for, for a little bit because mm. I thought we, we've already, we've already beaten them once tomorrow. We'll do it again. And I think that for me was one of the best moments of my whole career was that group game against Austria. Wow. Um, after the, uh, Respect you gave them earlier. That was pretty gnarly. You guys beat them in the group stage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was. I'm not gonna lie. I was kind of expecting either the finals or a random Euro highlight that I probably missed. <laughs> so you kind of threw a curveball in my direction. Um, Catherine Thomas again. Biggest differences in the women's game: three ball versus five ball. Um. I think the pace of the game, I think the pace of the game in five ball is, is a lot better, a lot quicker, a lot more reactive. Um, and as I said before, it's, it is a great spectator sport um, from speaking to people that have either watched me um, live or online or anything that they, their comments are, there's, you know, there's a lot going on and it's really good. And I really got behind it and it's a simple sport to pick up. You know, you hit somebody, they're out, you catch it, someone's back in and the throw is out. It's a simple sport to pick yeah. up where there's a lot of sports that are complicated um and the change of the ball size helped as well with that so it helped with the pace it helped with the the, the throwing speed of women so i think that change from three ball to five ball and it became much more aggressive so it became a, a much more aggressive style of play which in three ball it what it wasn't as much it was quite a catching game you know it was quite slow it was at points boring um, but it, it became a much more aggressive style of play. And actually it came, became more in line with the men's because at that point, the men could zip the ball around in three ball and it was more impressive to watch. But with the mm. bigger ball, three balls and the women's, it didn't look anywhere near as impressive as it did. And then as soon as it changed to five ball, I think it kind of leveled out a little bit. So I think, you know, with the ability to have multiple ball attacks, to then have counters on top of that, it just becomes impressive to watch. It becomes, you know, that there is a lot of athleticism in in these players and you need to be because um, because otherwise you're going to be out. And then obviously there's then catching in five ball, which is impressive again, because it's not just a single ball coming at you. There's, you know, you're being able to select a ball out of two or three balls or even four balls that are being thrown at you that then you can catch. So I think it actually increased the you know everybody had to develop and it increased your ability levels you know tenfold it you had to develop overnight from three ball to five ball just because of the aggression and the, the pace of the game so i have a hypothetical to ask on top of this um do you think five ball would be as successful if it was still the same big eight inch ball um no like you I still have the same you, you still have the same amount of balls but it's not mm -hmm. the the smaller ones 
I think from the women's side of things, I think being able to zip the ball around a lot quicker. Um, I think I think the pace of it is what is is impressive as well for anyone who's watched the sport. They think, oh, the balls are traveling so quick, and I think with a bigger ball, it was slower. It didn't, you know. At times, it was it was boring, um, and and not so much on the men's side because I think the men will always, just because of you know, physiologically, you know, bigger bigger hands um, for majority, um, and just being able to grip that a little bit better, um, it wouldn't have impacted them as much. But I think for the women's side of things, I think it had to go to a smaller ball. Mm. All right. That was curiosity I had. Um, Shaquille Joseph. Currently, do you think clubs, countries put enough emphasis on their mixed teams performing as good as their mono gender teams? So I think in a simple answer, no, I don't think there is enough emphasis on mixed teams performing as well. Um, and I think that's across and multiple euros that you know i've been part of and you can see some of the teams that actually their mixed teams are just second team players playing just getting 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 players to the euros basically so it's not their best players that are playing in in mixed having said that your best players in the single sex team doesn't necessarily mean that they're good mixed players but you can see that some teams have kind of the mix is an afterthought and i think that mix, I, I'm a real advocate for the mix side of things. I love playing the mixed um, category. Um, and I think that's a real selling point of the sport, um, especially, at, you know, in, in, in the world at the moment where um, sport and um, single-sex sports are, are talked about quite a lot, that actually this is a, a selling point for, for dodgeball is that we do have a mixed category. We do actually play that and we play it regularly and people... You know, we, we have the competitions for it. Um, so I think it's something quite unique to the sport um, in many aspects. And I think it's definitely something that we should keep going forward. But it's actually just about maybe nations and clubs investing a little bit more time in it because you can't just put your three best women and three best men together and hope that, you know, they're going to pull off um, um, as well as they do in, in their single sex uh, teams because it is a lot more tactical um, when I'm playing mixed my job role is completely different um, than it is in um, in the women's side of things so it is you have to adapt you have to change um, so I think there is definitely more that can be done um, to make sure that there are the right people especially on the international stage the right people performing um, in the team so, yeah, I think I think it's something that we should work on and definitely keep the mixed side of things. All right. Um, Clara, Katie, who do you prefer being captain and coach for? Us girls at Bedford or us girls at England? Now, I know you mentioned that there's not a lot of difference there. Is that like a playful mm -hmm. job or is there something she's alluding to? Um, Clara is one of, one of the girls who I was talking about earlier that has been – She's, I think, I think she was 16 when she started playing for Bedford for me, and and subsequently she's gone on to, you know, play for England. Um, so I, I don't, I don't know if there's a preference. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's the same. 
personnel pretty much, right? Um, <laughs> I mean, obviously, when you put on your England shirt and you're captain of your country, there is an overwhelming sense of pride of that, and that you can't take that you can't take that away, and you don't get the same as when you put the Bedford shirt on and you're captain. Um, you know, playing for your country will always be the pinnacle of any sport. Um, and it's, and even now, it doesn't matter how many years I've played or been captain for, as soon as I put that shirt on, it, it does give you goosebumps. It does, you know, I'm thankful every time I get selected um, and get the opportunity to, you know, lead, lead the girls out um, um, and be their captain. So I think from a captain point of view, um, and a player point of view, obviously England will be some the pinnacle of of, of what I do. Um, being a coach is is different because from a Bedford point of view, the coaching has always been quite developmental. So I've had girls who might not have played before, and then I've taken them. Clara is one of them to play for England, and I'll always be proud of that. That actually, as a Bedford club we've had a number of players who have come to us who have never played before and then gone on to international dodgeball, which is something that I'm incredibly proud of. Whereas when I coach England, it's very much tweaking. You know, they're good enough to be there. It's a tweaking thing. It's just maybe tactical application rather than the whole, right, so this is how you catch a ball, this is how you throw, and this is how we do this. So it's, it's the coaching's different at times. Um and I'm lucky that actually at Bedford now I've got a number of girls, as I said, that are in the England setup or, uh, or prior to COVID have been in the England setup. So um, it's made my job a lot easier because <laughs> there are sometimes <laughs> where the, it does overlap and it, it, the coaching does overlap. So, yeah, but the main difference being that at times for getting new players in and coaching that, and I love that side of things, obviously being a PE teacher, I love seeing the development of that. Um, and then obviously from an England point of view, it's just, you know, tweaking and hopefully it's very more outcome driven that actually we want to go on and win stuff. Nice. Um, yeah, she <laughs> she she put on like a laughing emoji after because it's like essentially the same personnel, but different approach pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I think she was just trying to make me say Bedford. <laughs> <laughs> you think she was baiting you to say Bedford, even though she's played for England as well? Uh. Maybe. I think so, no, yeah. No comment. No comment. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> well, I'm not cutting this. This is too too funny to, to not have. Um, <laughs> not much to cut in this episode from what I can tell. Um, so I, pretty much my, my agent, my manager, <laughs> Hannah Catterall, um, what are you most grateful for? Um, I think to have the longevity of the dodgeball career I've had. I'm, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful every time I put that shirt on. Um, but I'm also incredibly grateful for the fact that I've been able to do it with my husband. Um, so right from the beginning, we both got into it at university and we're both still, you know, very much a part of the sport. And it's something that I love, you know, I love doing. And, and it, it makes it even makes it even sweeter that I get to do it with my husband as well. Oh. <laughs> okay, that was sweet. Um, <laughs> that, that, that threw me off, but I, you know what? 
you know, sometimes, you know, you have moments like that in the episodes where even I'm thrown off, but no, that, that was really sweet. Um, I, I could just imagine you guys are playing dodgeball with your kids in the front yard, teaching them the fundamentals. I mean, not quite yet. I mean, I've only got, I've got a two year old and an eight week old. So we've got, I'm the two year old can throw, she can throw at the moment, but I've got time for the eight week old yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, give, give the, was it the two year old you said? Yeah. Give the two year old enough, uh, training and she might actually shatter that Bedford record. Oh, I'm hoping so. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to chime in. Um, this is going to be the staple question I should add going forward, I guess. Uh, yeah, she just loves positivity. She just wants to know what you're grateful for, man. Um, nice. What's there not to love about, huh? <laughs> All right. So um, definitely had fun having you on. You definitely an OG that should be cemented. So I'm going to ask you the legacy question. Um, so how would you like to be remembered once you play your final game? Um, I think there's two two parts to my answer. I think um, I think from a player point of view, I'd like people just to kind of remember that or to know that I give everything every time I step, step on the court and I will always ask so much of myself um, and make sure that I'm, I, you know, I'm in the best place that I can be for the team. But also, I, I hope people kind of remember and look back and actually think about how many players and the development of players that I've brought through, um, because it is something that I'm immensely proud of. Um, um, so yeah, I think from a player point of view, just making sure that everyone knows that I gave my all and, you know, I want them to say, you know, Charlotte used to give 110% on court every time she was on there. Um, but also then say, you know, she's actually developed lots of players who still play now or have won historically with, with club and country. And, and that's something I am extremely proud of. As a coach? Um, as a coach, yeah, I think just the development of, of, of the players, but I think obviously the one thing that I'm hoping people remember is 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 the the women winning the World Cup in Madison Square Garden in New York. And I think I'm hoping that's what what my coaching accolade will be at the top. <laughs> <laughs> so I got a lot to, to go over for you. Um, but I would say as a player, as a coach, as a mother, uh, it should go without question. Uh, you do give it 110%. Uh, you definitely popped up on my radar for a long time. And um, I would honestly say, uh, let's say in 10 years' time, people are going to know who you are. Um, you've been there pretty much from the very beginning and have not veered off as far as your level of performance. If anything, you've gotten better, which should spell doom for anyone who faces you. Um, <laughs> so I could say that as a player, um, I don't see any decline in you at all. Um, I can see you adding, adding more to, uh, the game. Like you said, you know, maybe the end of the chapter, but it's not going to be the end of the book. And hopefully it's not the end of the book anytime soon. 
Um, I'm hoping so. <laughs> same. Uh, I think you're going to set a great example um, for your kids to realize how badass their mom is on the court. <laughs> you're going to give them a sense of belief that they can do it too, and they'll probably be inspired to shatter whatever record you have. And um, I know as a competitor, you would not like to see that happening, but if it were to happen, why not it be your children? <laughs> yeah, I, I might feel a bit better about it. <laughs> huh? I might feel a bit better about it being uh, shattered if it's my children. <laughs> Nobody else, though. <laughs> Nobody else, though, right? Nobody else? <laughs> so, but I would, I would sit here and say from the very beginning to currently and continuously, you are the benchmark for greatness in the England women's dodgeball program. And you'll only continue to add to that bar. So going forward, if anyone's going to be uh, measured in greatness under that uh, England shirt, they're going to measure up. They got to measure up to you or they're not great. Simple as that. Well, that's very kind of you to say. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, I would say thank you. Um, and uh, yeah, good luck um, on the international stage. Unless it's against the U.S. And, you know, I take it back. <laughs> So, <laughs> I, I just had to throw that in there. Don't think I'm just, you know, not going to root for my people. Uh, <laughs> a little playful what you're job. Saying is, so what you're saying is I can come second to the U.S. <laughs> if it comes down to it. <laughs> I'm going to pay for that comment, aren't I? <laughs> Uh, maybe. <laughs> this is how I imagine it now, because I'm going to be, barring any new restrictions, I'll be in Leicester in February. I could just imagine you hiring a hitman or a hit woman to just <laughs> take me out in Birmingham once I clear customs. Is that is that what I'm expecting? No, I'll let, I'll let you play first. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Um, okay, I'm going to need to hire protection detail. This goes out to anybody uh, <laughs> over there. I'm going to need protection detail. Uh, needless to say, I pissed off an OG, and that's never a good sign. <laughs> so before we wrap up this fun little interview, uh, do you have any shout-outs you'd like to give? Um, I guess just to all of the England women who were there with me in Madison Square Gardens, you know, um, amazing team, amazing experience. And obviously to my Bedford girls, you know, keep doing what we're doing. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And that was my interview with Charlotte Josiah. Charlotte, thank you so much for hopping on and sharing with us your story, a legend that's continuously growing. And through her children, um, who knows? <laughs> Maybe I'll have them on in a couple of years as they break her record, which I'm pretty much banking on considering who they're training under. Um, I have a couple more interviews left and I might take a holiday break um, for Christmas and New Year's. So I've already have some new, um, interviews lined up for January and it's just about finalizing the dates. And as soon as I let you, you know, as soon as I submit all that, get that out of the way i'll definitely keep you guys in the loop so stay tuned for my next couple interviews and uh, have a wonderful day